Are you in the HubSpot ecosystem and looking to engage with the industrial and manufacturing space? Are you in the industrial and manufacturing space looking to learn more about how HubSpot can elevate your business? Join Chris and Salim, two HubSpot solution partners with 25 years in the industrial and manufacturing space, as they explore the intersection of these two worlds. Through interviews with experts from both ecosystems, they will attempt to bridge the gap in the largest market we know today. This podcast is an independent production by Conveying Your Message and is not affiliated with or endorsed by HubSpot. The views, opinions, and positions expressed by the hosts and guests are theirs alone and do not reflect the views, opinions, or positions of HubSpot Incorporated. Any HubSpot employees appearing as guests on this podcast are not representing HubSpot in any official capacity and are sharing their own personal opinions. Welcome to Sprockets and Gears, the unofficial HubSpot industrial podcast. Welcome in, everybody to another episode of Sprockets and Gears. Super excited for today's guest, uh, Christopher Nolt from Growth. Uh, Chris, welcome. Thank you for having me, man. You guys are doing uh, some really great stuff. Happy to be here. We appreciate that. And if you could just take a minute, you know, let the people know who you are and maybe a little bit about your, your HubSpot journey. So as they mentioned, my name is Chris and I am the founder and CEO of Growth. Um, we have been a marketing agency and are currently changing clothes into a consultancy where we help um, tenured companies grow. Um, and so our pillars are really sales ops, marketing ops, and customer service ops. And we build those ecosystem foundations on HubSpot. Awesome. Uh, one of our goals is to you know, help educate the you know, the HubSpot ecosystem and, you know, the HubSpot user base that is ever growing, especially in spaces like industrial manufacturing. You know, one of these concepts we're interested in is a customer platform um, and helping people understand, you know, or aligning like, you know, what that means to everybody throughout the process. So for you, in your case, you know, when you hear customer platform, what's the, how do you define that? Well, I mean, since we're both in the HubSpot space, uh, the, the narrative is this. In the HubSpot world, you are dealing with humans. And so the entire DNA of the database is built at the contact record level, the person, not the company. They are connected, but they are different objects entirely. And as you move into um, mid-market and enterprise companies, these organizations have multiple businesses but all humans are individuals. So it's a, and literally a DNA difference between Salesforce-based platforms and HubSpot. When you focus in on the person that's making the decision or the people that are making the decision, it allows the um, flywheel to move. So that's where you get the engage and delight aspects because you, if you understand a person, you can understand their problems and then you can understand how you help their problems. That makes marketing life a lot easier, which makes sales life a lot easier and then customer service a lot easier. And I feel like HubSpot might want to sponsor this particular podcast because that's exactly what the message that they're trying to get across. I've well trained, hey, but I've seen is, it work. This is the unofficial <laughs> industrial HubSpot podcast, but... If they want to come in and, and pick us up, yes, <laughs> we would love to. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but it's, it's, there's a, such a big shift happening in, in the industrial manufacturing space, right? I mean, we're seeing the change with U.S. Steel selling to Japan. These unwillingness for 
individuals that have done things a certain way to be ignorant about how the universe is changing is costing a lot of people a lot of money and a lot of jobs. So at some point, we're hoping the message can outweigh the uh, unwillingness to evolve and not to plug the name growth, but you can change and not grow, but you literally cannot grow without change. It's scientific fact. So anyway, yes. sorry to yes. get all metaphysical on you. Yeah, and I love the, you know, another way I've heard it, like if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And that's, yeah, there's a beatnik writer and Tupac Shakur that quoted that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure several others. <laughs> right. And so let's get into that a little bit about how, you know, how we help, you know, uh, uh, our customers grow and, you know, HubSpot's, you know, whole grow better mantra. Um, and, you know, how we're seeing this ecosystem change. You know, one of the interesting things is this evolution from inbound, 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 you know, to, okay, we are dealing with human beings and sometimes they forget about stuff and sometimes they might really want to do things for you and, and inbound, like, it's just not going to get their attention. So we hear things like, you know, outbound has always been this like clash and, but now we're hearing nearbound and all bound. And, you know, you shared an <laughs> interesting story before we, we started recording and I'd like you to get into that. Like, you know, what did you see as you kind of transitioned and are still transitioning? I would imagine from this, you know, this inbound methodology to kind of just, remembering there's a human being on the other side and just doing what it takes to make sure we're in a position to help them, you know, when, when they need that help. Yeah. I think I feel very fortunate in hindsight, having come from a large B to C to D to C, uh, big brand background, because the understanding that if you're not easily accessible and people don't know what your product is, they're not going to buy it. And so that kind of DNA is, Partially what inbound is about, right? Like you need the optimization for the Google gods. You need to have content that's relevant and you need to be accessible when somebody's looking for you. A paradigm shift happened at growth around a year ago as we started to really uh, grow. And the you would always hit a point where we couldn't help a company. And we were really having a problem understanding why. Very thankful uh, some people, including some people at Apollo, helped me with seeing the data behind Outbound. And the KXC helped with that too. Um, there's, I can't remember his name, but some guy that like records himself cold calling. But as I like reviewed the data, we really, we gave it a, a test with one of our customers. And it was really surprising that if you do the homework, same homework you do for Inbound, of identifying who your fit customers are, the personas of those customers, how your problem helps or your solution helps their problem, and you put the message in front of the people that may not even understand they have that problem yet, <laughs> you can generate leads. And if you have leads, then you have one of the things that you need in order to grow, especially with net new logo. So it was kind of like an aha moment. And then again, just, you know, shout out to HubSpot. They have an outbound sales team. So it's not that they're saying don't do inbound, but they were saying a lot less of do outbound three years ago when we joined the HubSpot space. And I think now, especially with the universe, the economy and things changing, to ignore outbound as a part of your growth strategy is ignorant. 
And I realize it's expensive and difficult, but these are the challenges we're faced with growing a business. I'm, I'm interested in, in digging deeper uh, into this. Uh, before I turned to marketing, I was an applications engineer. I worked very closely with our sales engineers. And so we, we always talk about uh, what's happening with them, with their accounts and such. And one common theme uh, that always popped up in our space, which is the uh, end-of-line automation space, like seven, eight-figure accounts that usually like you need two years to work them to get to a closed deal. Gatekeepers are really a big challenge. And the gatekeeping is usually not as simple as, no, you know who you're trying to talk to, but you know nobody's patching you through. Sometimes the gatekeeping is at a level where you are not allowed even to know the name of the person that you need to be talking to. Uh, you're, you're, you've been talking about Apollo, which we know uh, Apollo is one of the tools that allows you to you know, surface that kind of information. Uh, how has been your approach in dealing with current gatekeeping? And uh, also in the digital world, there's also the inboxes that are gatekeepers right now. You have uh, IT admins cracking down on, you know, spam. Like, just just talk us through how you get through the gatekeepers. That's a great question. The two most common gatekeepers we have at growth um, are IT and um, payments, accounts receivable and payable. And so... Um, one, security when it comes to people's data is so important <laughs> that if we don't have documentation that represents that conversation, it makes it very difficult for our champion and the other people in the process to pass off this thing. Um, and we can usually check that box. We're in a large conversation now that has been going on for months. We're at the tail end. And then they change the payment terms that are not acceptable from our side. And so... Uh, we now need to, the first thing we're going to do when we start the new year, since we're taking a break soon, is having a piece about why our payment terms are the way they are. Um, so that way we can start adding that message in. So we still lean on the inbound tools. And you, when you talk about a real gatekeeper at like a large organization, it is less about needing to talk to them and more about um, empowering the people you are talking to to pass your message forward so it's not a telephone game. Is that helpful? Yeah, no, that is helpful. I think you, you, you raise a good point, like, especially as we grow into, you know, bigger, uh, you know, bigger markets, up market, if you will, and, and bigger enterprises, there are multiple people involved. And ultimately, whether it's inbound or outbound, this has to be a part of a bigger strategy, right? And I think when we, when we engaged on LinkedIn uh, about this topic and, you know, my sensitivity to it, you know, traditional lead gen, uh, so I refer to it as, you know, it's easy and it, just as much on the inbound side too, it's, it's easy to kind of pick, you know, a pet tactic that you find like, hey, maybe you got that person in the organization that's just so good at sending emails like cold outbound, they're not afraid to get on the phone, you know, and just call. And, but trying to create value there, uh, you know, for your organization and not think about the customer journey, the buyer journey, and how maybe, you know, this, this guy might be really good at it, but then this other person you need to grow and scale it out. They're not so good at, you know, making those 
you know, conversations just happening and just having a nose for who you need to talk to. So can you speak to like, as you guys made that, that shift to kind of include outbound and, and even as you, you know, consult customers on how to do that effectively, what are the kinds of things that you help them maybe transition from how they used to think about it to how they get more ROI out of it going forward? Implementing a new thought process and just way of doing things is tricky. And every company is, is, and not as a laziness statement, every company is different. They're in a different part of their uh, growth journey. They have different people with different levels of knowledge of what these things are. And so we do have to make our consultative services finite um, and so we do that by like an, an hour's amount. Um, but everything in between is pretty loose. It's really important at growth that we have uh, team members that are working with our customers that also are so knowledgeable that the realistic um, expectation from the customers that they do know a lot. And so junior hires are really not fit for these, these conversations. We use some of the same processes most successful HubSpot implementation companies use to implement the tools to allow outbound and inbound work. So um, you have HubSpot or you need HubSpot set up, and then you basically want to start with some of the training elements, and then that includes the tools you may need. HubSpot specifically does offer some really powerful sales tools, but it's limited at a pro or enterprise level. And that's where you, you, we have that whole all-on-one tool where you'll want to find a tool specifically like Kixie so you can empower your sales reps to make the phone calls. We can lay all this. We lay out the vision at the beginning, and we create a roadmap for implementation uh, three to 12 months and based off of what we're trying to accomplish and how much time they're giving us to do it. We typically set it up, they sh we shadow them on how to use it, and then we provide training that's ongoing um, to ensure that they're using the tools. So it's very hands-on. <laughs> it does, requ does require like a very empathetic implementation team that are highly skilled. So if you come in and you don't know what you're talking about, it is very weird. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And I, I agree, the empathetic being empathetic in these situations goes a long way knowing if being in house in these situations sometimes we forget that we lose you know you, you lose patience uh when you're trying to implement these new systems and people are not working with you or not uh let's say on the same wavelength uh, as you people are focusing on one big priority in their head and you're talking about you know the nuts and bolts of hubspot and how hubspot can make everything good and uh, they're not focused on that, and sometimes uh, we lose patience. So it's very important to keep that empathy going. Yeah, and, yeah. and that requires really, really good planning and benchmarks. Like, hey, we need to get these certain things done by a certain time. Once you've done this enough times, you realize that that while that's true, that may not happen. So in your contracts and as part of your sales process, you need to explain, like, just like highways have those off-ramps for trucks that are moving too fast, so, sometimes you may need an additional session or two, and that's okay. But realize that like this just isn't a sign here, unlimited time deal. Um, yeah. Takes, I, you, these are all learned lessons. This didn't just happen day one contract of us evolving. We are constantly iterating, and that's suggestion number one for everybody. 
iterate. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, to your point before, just understanding that this is a journey for everybody, you know, both sides included often, that understanding where they are in the journey and, you know, often addressing just the planning and strategy up front just can take you so much farther later on if you just take a second to step back and understand some of these things. Because often, you know, especially from a software provider perspective, it's it's easy to think that, oh, this new tool is going to just, we're going to be good. Like we just need to plug and play. And, you know, now all of a sudden people are going to start answering our, you know, novel length emails. Uh, that's not how it works. And, but at the same time, we're not trying to bring tools in to replace, you know, your people. It's about, let's use the tools in a way that, you know, can standardize or automate the variables that we can and should. So now our people have more time to be humans and have human to human relationships and not be busy trying to, you know, crack the email codes or, you know, try and, you know, figure out these things that may have been proven over here, but I don't see it working over here. So now I'm trying to figure it out. Like, let's use these tools in a way that open up more time to have these human relationships. Because at the end of the day, like the more conversations we have, the more relationships we can build are what truly leads to the growth. And whether that's email to get the attention or social, you know, often it's a combination of these things and that's where the strategy, you know, piece is important. So I'm glad you, you know, you brought that up from a, just understanding where we are right now, where do we want to go? There's steps to get there and those steps are going to be different for, for everybody we're working with. I think like co-defining what the ideal outcome is and in what amount of time is important to put at the meeting at every document you have between the two organizations. So that way, the final destination is at everyone's top of mind. So if we find ourselves getting distracted by conversations that are not in line with what we're trying to do, not that there isn't time for them, but we may need to reallocate resources or truncate that conversation or sidebar it and add that kind of to like the next round. From a implementator's standpoint, identifying what can really get done and what amount of time is important. As you deal with larger organizations, there's the classic disconnect between a board of directors, C-suite, you know, D-suite, and then the people doing the work. And, you know, you have sales guys that are like, let's sell them the dream, right? But then service team has to then implement it. It's very important for us that we are not uh, selling the dream without really being able to implement the dream. It's a challenge. Every company is different, and we're constantly improving our sales processes, onboarding processes, documentation processes, just so everything's as clear as can be. And it's you know just from the service side and the follow-through side, it's so important that companies like ours are dedicating that time to iteration. It's interesting you talk about selling the dream to, to leadership because uh, – sometimes selling that dream is very easy. Like everybody yeah. in the room is like suddenly getting aha moments and ideas and everybody's just pitching ideas and everybody's happy and like 
it, it's it's like a hallmark movie moment where everybody's cheering. Yeah, like the dream is amazing. Let's get our yeah. Let's get our field yeah. reps to create quotes inside yes. our customers' factories. Yeah, yeah. Let's then, do it next week. No, that's a twelve <laughs> month change, dude. You've got multiple locations. You've got twenty seven field reps. We need to build the system, have people test the system, love it, champion the system, and then we need to create like five different groups of five and train them. And guess what, man? Some of them are not going to like this change. There could be good reasons. There could be nefarious reasons. Um, Whatever it is, expect a turnover, and that conversation should be happening at the same time as that aha moment. And you you had made a mention of really long emails Sales conversations can get long-winded as well, but if it does require an additional conversation to be thorough, it's our responsibility as the service-providing consultants to to let them know ahead of time. So maybe not a long email, but definitely, like, we should have another chat. Like, <laughs> what does that mean to you? You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. again, I think All that right. just comes from um, experience. So hopefully this message reaches someone that needs to hear it. Yeah. Is there a situation? Yeah. Is there a situation where that dream turned into a nightmare, and that was like a milestone moment for for growth, and you guys pivoted uh, your process? I th- I think there's a lesson to be learned in every interaction. The lessons are usually bigger and more obvious in the high friction um, relationships, and it. it even though we're very highly rated on every platform, there's always a point where there's a disconnect from the, the leader that may have wasn't a part of the sales conversation. So he's basically hearing through third parties what the expectation was. I didn't read the service contract. Um, I, that, that's, that's happened more recently than I care to um, admit, but it, it happens. So maybe it's not a specific example. It's just like it seems to be recurring themes. Um, Lack of attention during the sales process. Um, Lack of ownership of their end of the agreement. Sometimes it's unwillingness to hear us say, like, this person you have working for you is not being honest with you. Um, And that's a very weird space to be. And depending, and that can represent a lot of different things. And you really have to kind of take that as a, one-on-one situation. I tend to be out of most of the sales process and most of the service process. So now, because of this sort of situation, now when we come up with one of these very uncomfortable roadblocks, I can reach out to the CEO or VP of sales on the side and just say, hey, do you have a couple minutes? I want to talk to you about something that my team uncovered to get your two cents before we like offer and that's, that's actually helped. So as we've been able to grow, by me being an out, outside of the process, it gives a more... And then I think paired by the fact that I talk about authenticity all the time, um, it does help. And that's something we've really done this last couple of months um, is put me into the fire room <laughs> whenever we encounter those issues, which is great. Thanks a lot, growth team. Awesome. Now it's working, though. Yeah, that's well, definitely important <laughs> to have that, like, you know... Not everybody can speak to that, and it's just such a challenging situation, especially coming from you know inside the org. It can be, you know, especially if you have excitement from one spot. You're like, all right, just you know, let's we're going. Like we got to do this. We got to break things. Like we know, but you know, the importance of having everybody in the room and making sure everybody feels heard and 
you know, because uh, the worst thing is, you know, having those uh, new stakeholders, like all of a sudden involved and, you know, you have no idea what they care about, you know, what's going to get them excited. Often it's something different, you know, back to the, you know, the long email example. It's like, you know, some people love the the long email with like just all every bit of context in it. And our challenge, you know, as a customer facing team is understanding that. And, you know, if you try to send that email to the person that loves it and the person that needs four bullet points max at the same time, you know, understand that you might send that email, but at the same time you're sending a separate message, you know, maybe it's on LinkedIn, maybe it's, you know, some, some direct message, wherever they want, like wherever they're going to, you know, consume it and understand it. It's like, Hey, just, you know, don't worry about that email. You know, here's what I was saying. Right. And having that agility to be able to do those things, that's where a system like, you know, HubSpot can definitely help where, you know, you can see this historical, you know, results and you don't, it's harder to forget about, okay, this person likes to be communicated this way, you know, et cetera. And just including that in the overall strategy. Cause I think these, as you scale, as you grow, the ability to manage all these separate relationships to make sure you have alignment, make sure you have buy-in, uh, is just so important. And that often, you know, gets in the way of, of the things that at the end of the day, everybody wants, right. We all want to help the customer. Yeah. Right. We all want to do, do right, you know, on their behalf. We just don't always agree on how to get there and that's okay. Um, but understanding that and then taking a step back and it's like, okay, what makes sense right now? What makes sense later? So, uh, you know, coming back to the, you know, inbound, outbound, you know, uh, you know, all these different tactics, you know, often we see like, you know, paid ads or, you know, the quick, you know, let's just, uh, put up a landing page and get downloads and then we share the emails and, you know, magic fairy dust, right. The, the quick wins, right. Um, in relationship to this, do we have everybody involved in knowing what's going on here? How have you helped customers kind of take those, you know, maybe we can get some quick, there's often some quick wins you can get right now, but how do we do it in a way that doesn't maybe, uh, you know, set some, some expectations where this is a quick win right now, but we cannot sustain this, right? This is not how we get to where we need to go. How, how do you, you know, approach that? It just needs to be a part of the roadmap, right? And so you have these quick wins, or we kind of define them as these are gr- the first three months we're working together. And sure, certain, certain like marketing companies be like, we can create a landing page in a week, but it's like so disconnected from the whole system that like your fact may be true, but I've been doing this for 20 years. The first three months, we want to accomplish these things. And the reason we want to give ourselves more time is because it's all connected, man. So by figuring out your tone and creating a couple versions and testing them and connecting it to your HubSpot system and then getting your team comfortable with cloning landing pages so it's not like a, oh, my God, situation, it takes a little bit of time. And that's our method. Our success rate is very high. You can choose to go another direction. 
we won't fault you for it. And I may only make one passive aggressive comment when you do end up hiring <laughs> us, but it'll be totally in jest. And uh, I look forward to that moment. <laughs> we'll be happy you're back, but I will poke some fun at you. Um, I guess that's the way. Are you familiar with the curse of knowledge? Yes. I, uh, I, I used to be that application engineer that was supposed to know what the landscape looks like, know what solutions are out there, and know what solution to grab and put in a specific, you know, lack of a better word, our solution that we're integrating and selling to a customer. So I'm the person that's being marketed to. I'm the one that gets to decide, do I choose you or not? And being an engineer, being very, you know, snooty and like, no, I know better. I'll figure out what you have. And then I'll call you and ask you for a quote. As a result, I found myself uh, trusting uh, suppliers that have that knowledge base, that have that extensive data, that also have some good newsletters, but the newsletters aren't geared toward getting me to buy today, but are more informational, talking about future developments, talking about this new technology breakthrough, talking about there's some case studies sprinkled in there. But as a result, I, I found myself valuing the inbound approach much more than like I never took a phone call or if anyone got to me or sent me an email, it would be an auto delete. If somebody like got through on the phone, I would tell them, hey, what's your website? Cool. I'll check you out. I'll let you know. Now that I'm working in marketing, a lot of that has uh, influenced how I think about strategy, especially in the industrial space. But I'm a sample size of one. So have, have you seen a lot of Salims out there or am I special? You are special for sure. Don't <laughs> ever forget that. But you do represent a, a real group of people. And that's why you do need, no matter what company you are, you do need to have a website that's informative. Um, you do need to have documentation that represents the conversation that you're having. I have a lot of respect for the people that are like, I want to see the documents and from your experience being one of those people. But some of those documents aren't real. And I, it, took me, it still takes me a long time to realize this. Some companies lie, which is I cannot do it. Man, I, there's so many moments I wish I could because it would have saved me a lot of headache, but I can't. So, um, and that, when I deal with a personality like you and you ask a question that I don't have an honest answer to, that's my thing is being honest. And sometimes I lose a deal to people like you, honestly. Um, but it's a learning opportunity for me. So then we go back inside and we say, hey, this didn't work out because of this piece. I want that piece and I want it now. <laughs> Figure it out. And then we'll go inside uh, and we'll create those components. Um, so yeah, you're not alone, man. You're very special. And you are a hard type to prospect to unless you are a really good solution. And then you're very easy to sell to. So we've gotten a lot better at selling to your people. <laughs> In fact, I'm I'm glad you said that because uh, typically the better solution starts to corner the market because nobody wants to even consider uh, someone who's up and coming, someone who's uh, telling us, yeah, we can do the same thing but better. Well, I know the, the incumbent, they've always been good to me. Uh, we're okay with their pricing. They're reliable. They have a service team across the country. They like 
all of this kind of uh, creates uh, inertia that you can't move the top dog. And as someone who's always been working at companies who have been, you know, the the second in, or third in the industry, how can one break through using outbound tactics, uh, using inbound tactics? That how 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 do you approach your marketing uh, recommendations to companies like this uh, to try to break through in an industry like that? This is a fantastic question. Um, so velocity and momentum win games, right? So you may be second or third in your industry, and your competitor may have these knowledge bases and documentation. Uh, but I think anyone's, especially when you're talking about industries of the hundreds of millions of dollars and transactions are have six and seven, eight digits behind them, I think anyone realistically can be in spoken to and may even engage in a conversation even though they have a long current relationship and these last couple of years have shown us um salesforce is a great example about how these long-term relationships can fall apart uh because of second third and fourth options um i find <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts though so as implementers for those types of companies again you have to be clear with your communication you need a lot of content you need Every box checked on the inbound flywheel methodology. You need retargeted ads. They need to be retargeted based off of the services that they're showing. You need case studies. You need hyper-specific case studies. You need testimonials. You need to have a system where you are uh, taking some of your customers and saying, hey, I'd like to buy some of your time throughout the year so you can inter meet with one of my prospective customers and just be super honest. So there's so many boxes you need to check. Um, but that battle can be won unless you have a third-rate product, and then it might be difficult, and then you're going to have to really lean on discounting as your uh, as your opportunity. So what That's I'm hearing is you cannot eat your outbound cake before you eat your inbound broccoli. Ooh, I like that. Eat the inbound broccoli. Yeah, I live in Monterey, and so like broccoli is one of our big uh, produce items. Shameless plug, Desilitas. Uh But yeah, I think that's great. Brussels sprouts and broccoli, eat that stuff first and then enjoy the delicious but spicy cake of outbound sales. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's that's perfect because uh you know, content is what we're we're talking about here. Uh when it comes to the broccoli or whatever. Um <laughs> your your least favorite produce um, of choice. But accepted healthy, you know, addition to your diet uh is chosen because I think that's where it's it's so easy to just turn on like the Google ads, you know, faucet uh, and, you know, get somebody to pick up the phone, uh, even find a show like, oh, uh, it's gonna be a bunch of people at this trade show. Let's go set up a booth. Um, and at the end of the day, we're not against any of these tactics. All these tactics are if you find an audience, if you know where that audience is going to be and it's like guaranteed, you're like, yeah. Like spend the money uh, to get in front of that audience. Like some shows, like you know, it can be so highly concentrated with decision makers. Like you'd be silly not to go and be there. But now in 2023, moving into 2024, if we go there and we don't have a good website for them to check before and after. If we leave our sales guy in the booth and all he has is a one pager and there's no video to go watch, there's nothing else to support, you know, the process 
that's where you're not going to see the ROI anymore. Like he might open the email, but if there's no links to a good looking product page and the only way to get information is to get on the phone and there's no, like that's the, like the content is so much more important now than it used to be. And if you can do a couple of those things first, that's what we mean by like paid ads are going to get you some quick wins because inevitably it's going to get the attention of the person who needs something right now. Your message got through and they don't need, they're they're calling you and they're buying, right? But those people are fewer and farther between. And if you haven't done the work of backing everything up with the case studies you mentioned with all the other content, right? That's where it's just, you know, it can be very easily just turning on the faucet and watching the money go down the drain, right? And it, one in two, one in two wins from that should not be a reason to, you know, keep it on at, at all costs, right? Let's understand the whole, the whole strategy here. Yeah. And your strategy should be growing and evolving. So whatever it is today shouldn't be tomorrow's plan. Every platform is changing. And one of the things that I love about HubSpot and using the campaign tool specifically when we're talking about marketing is you are allowed, you have the ability to break these strategies into buckets. And then um, if you're using the enterprise platform with marketing and sales, you can really get a lead cost of acquisition going and the whole buyer's journey broken down by dollars and cents and deals created. And then it becomes not an argument. It is just a bunch of knobs on a soundboard that you get to tweak live. Um, and no company should only f- focus on one marketing tactic. You need multiple. And I hope that when customers are looking at working with third parties or even their internal marketing teams, that experimentation uh, and iteration are a part and of part of the process and are maybe the most exciting part of the process because I feel every company has a hidden treasure box where a bunch of deals and opportunities are, and sometimes they are in very weird places. Um, so don't be afraid to do some of the traditional I guess, new traditional PPC stuff, but also give yourself an opportunity to send your production manager on a podcast to talk about something and or dot, dot, dot. Lots of examples. (laughs) I I love that you said that because one of the things that uh, the industrial and manufacturing space seems to be reluctant to do is put their subject matter experts out into the world and show everybody how knowledgeable they are and use their expertise to, you know, uh, support the company and evangelize for the company. And all of that is seen more as a threat that somebody is going to realize the value of this uh, subject matter expert and then scoop them up. (laughs) Uh, That's true. We don't get to... (sighs) We don't get to play with that conversation because we're not in HR, but it does just start to breed the benefits of having a more modern, uh, welcoming company in general. Um, And then again with industrial, they've been doing things a lot uh, for a very long time and it's worked. But I think all companies that have been doing the same thing since the 70s are seeing the cracks in their armor 
um, with high turnover and frustrated employees. So if you're going to ask a subject matter expert to work outside of their original job description, hopefully you are clairvoyant enough to realize that that person should be rewarded and encouraged to do it in a way that may require a contract change. Um, especially if it's generating real business for you. And I hope the people at Growth hear me because we are constantly uh, evolving the way that we treat our own team to, we've got some really smart people here. <laughs> and I really want them to be vocal about it and some choose not to and that's okay. Um, I stand behind everybody at Growth and when they are willing to, well then we get a little bit of a side talk going and it's, uh, we wanna make it beneficial and realize, and this has happened a few times already this month, they may get inquiries about working for them. So um, one, I encourage them to take whatever deal is best for you. Um, two, it's my job to make sure that I'm the best deal for you. Um, that's yes. just how we operate. All Not I'm going to say is we look forward to what Richard Barcelos is cooking up. Oh, good. Oh, man, I'm glad you uh, shouted him out. So he was a customer. Uh, Transportation company based in Panama. Um, I recognized very early on that he could use some mentoring, and so um, I. Uh, this is growth was a lot smaller. We were a different company then, but I'm the, still the same person. So I would spend like an hour, maybe every other week with him, and we would go over inbound and outbound and get inside his HubSpot system. And ma really, a lot of it too was like managing employees and expectations. And how ironic! So that company winds down, sells or something. He's finishing college. He's in his mid-20s, let's say. And um, he came to me and was like, oh, what do I do next? And so we didn't have an internship program before, but I said, hey, I think you would do really well in sales. Let's create this six-month internship for you just because I know I'm going to need to pour into you. Will's going to need to pour into you, and we, we haven't had the chance to build that infrastructure yet. So there's going to be a little bit of... Uh, not volatility, but like evolution that happens. Anyway, fast forward six months, he did great. Uh, we've seen changes happen in our own system and on LinkedIn. So thanks to Peter Caputo of Databox, Daniel from Apollo, a bunch of other great people, we've seen the need to lean into one of our strengths, which is building community. So after a six-month internship, he got into a BDR role, and we quickly were like, we don't even love having the BDR role at growth. We do outbound. Um, but really, it feels better to have outbound be led with some sort of give. So we created the benchmark groups, and it's really cool. He's doing great. Shout out to Rick. Good call. Awesome. Yeah. There's like uh, how we operate live. That, that was a real keep it real opportunity there. That's how that job rolled into what he has now. No, I think that's great because that's where like this whole, you know, you just understand the value of the people that you have. And when you see something in somebody... Like, you know, you got, just got to put them in a position to win, you know, both for, for themselves and for the company. And if you can do that, you know, that's, that's a key element, uh, I think, of the growth and the scalability. And, you know, it's so awesome to see that, you know, what you just described you. Is, is really uh, applaud you for that. Um, <laughs> it's been 20 years of employing people and I've made some bad hires. Uh, it's happened. I, some people interview well, and I still think that I get excited when I hear people that are like talking my lingo and then going back to the some companies can lie thing. I've seen that pop, poke up um, in hires too. And it's a real 
difficult thing for me to understand. I immediately go to like, what am I doing wrong? And then try to shift the job and the things to enable the success. And then I just realize like, oh, that person's not, they just don't know what they're talking about. They just fooled me. And that's still a hard truth I'm getting around. Probably a different podcast conversation yeah. with someone else. <laughs> yeah. So employment uh, isn't easy and take care of your people and everything about what we do is evolving. Yes. Uh, well said. So we're going we're gonna to bring it home. <laughs> uh, we've got some, some rapid fire questions here related to HubSpot Ooh. itself. Um, so most underrated HubSpot tool? Uh, the new ABM prospecting tool. I guess it's not ABM related, but the new prospecting tool in sales pros and enterprise. It's awesome. Well, they got target accounts in there now, so it's could be target accounts were there, things. but this right, yeah. The new prospecting gives you the individual look at everyone you're talking to and where they're at. It's no longer need sales law for outreach, in my opinion. Yes, uh, agreed. Most overrated HubSpot tool. <laughs> I, that's not fair. Uh, most <laughs> overrated HubSpot tool. Uh, the Google inbox, uh, connector, cause it is a pain in the butt. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You connect the, is that, that qualifies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most misunderstood HubSpot tool. All the ABM tools, everything that has to do with it. Okay. Uh, your top wish list item for HubSpot. I think the ability to customize and not like using a Chrome unsafe plugin, but an ability to customize the uh, components on the header when you're logged in. I feel like just it would help reduce some friction with the uh, employees using kind of lingos that they may already be familiar with that does create a larger problem later on. So maybe I digress, but the ability to customize the menu bar would be my wish list item. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I've never heard that one before, but now that I hear it, um, all I can say is uh, keep it in enterprise, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Well, awesome, man. Uh, you know, this has been a great conversation. Uh, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll join us again some, some point down the road. Uh, there's so much we can unpack with and just uh, dig deeper on. Uh, so we thank you so much for, for joining today. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you or just connect with you, uh, where can they find you? Best place is LinkedIn. I'm very active, so I'm happy to respond. I'm not that big yet. So, yeah, find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to chat. Awesome. Well, uh, again, we appreciate you uh, stopping by, and uh, it's been a great session, and we'll see everybody Let's next keep time. fighting the good fight. Let's modernize these industrial companies. Let's do it together. Yes. And all with the help of HubSpot. Exactly. Amen. Flywheel, baby. It. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>